this theme of 2016, and that is revival. And I was trying to think of that movie, uh, Princess Bride. I, I, there, I, I mess up lines like, I, I, ter- I just really mess up lines bad. But when in, Indigo says, that word you use, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. And um, I think that's where we're at with revival. We, we have, I, I mentioned last Sunday, we have this idea of what revival is, and it's mostly based on what? It, it tends to be based on, you know, TV channels and uh, books that we might read, you know, a number of things. And, uh, but what we had to do last week was we had to start with the idea of repentance because without repentance, there's going to be no revival. And so it's very clear that Jesus started his ministry by calling people to repent. Okay, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist followed in that calling people to repent and show forth fruit of repentance. And somehow, some way, we in our lives, in our day and age, think that, oh, well, that's already kind of done with now. We can move on because we're all going to heaven, right? And so the whole ball starts rolling downhill, gaining momentum in this idea of American Christianity. And it's like everybody's going to heaven by the time we get rolling. Everyone's going to heaven. Isn't that great? Isn't that exciting? And yet, the very thing we need to do is call out from the Word of God about the, the warning. You know, we can think we're good and right and all that and yet still miss out on God and still miss out on an eternity with God and all the while spend a whole life thinking that we're good. And that we're right with God. Now, we've got to make... I want to do my best here to make it clear what we want to understand. You know, last week was repentance. Repentance is what? We turn from sin to God. We've got to get that straight. I mean, that sounds very elementary, but turn from sin to God. It's a change of mind to a change of behavior. It's not just a change of mind. It brings a change of behavior. That's repentance. And the reason why we need to talk about this and understand this is because we have uh, a whole world of Christians that think, hey, everything's peachy keen. When I keep living the way I used to live, what's with that? Jesus didn't come to stamp and approve the way I live. He came to do what? Change my heart. Not just change my heart, but give me a new heart. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. Okay? And so, um, we need to understand the difference here. Now, if you were to be a good, a really good Bible student, you know what? You, you might have a hard time finding the idea on the concept of revival in the New Testament. Say, What? I mean, you know, we, we, uh, 
we, we would think that the New Testament is full of exhortations to revive, you know, be, be revived. But it's mostly in the Old Testament that you find the words that hook up with the concept of revival. And I, again, I mentioned it last Sunday, you know, at the beginning. We all like the idea, oh yeah, let's have a revival. Let's have a revival service. That'll be exciting. But what will come of it? And so we want to be a people that understand not just the concept of repentance and revival, but what flows underneath the surface for the Christian. What ought to be flowing underneath the surface that you can't always see? And a lot of it comes back to basic things of walking by faith and fellowship with the Lord Jesus. I think that is what we'll see as we look at this time. There are, in the New Testament um, and the Old Testament, if you have a King James Bible, the word tends to be the word quicken. You know, uh, uh, to quicken us, that that concept there. Um, In the New Testament, there's words like refreshed or refreshing. You know, things that seem like it's leading towards that thought and that concept of revival. And so... What we want to do here this morning is take some time to look at this memory verse in Hosea. So, um, let's see who can find Hosea fastest. There you go. No, we're not going to do that. But um, we rarely turn to the book of Hosea, but it's right after the book of Daniel. Daniel follows Ezekiel. I'm going the backwards way. You know, left-handed, I can be a little backwards, right? But um, hit Ezekiel, then Daniel, then Hosea. Okay, Hosea, chapter 10. And like this verse, and like maybe one in Jeremiah, or there's one in Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Okay, that's, that's a real popular verse when it comes to revival. Okay, but again... Because we're good students in this, we want to remember that repentance is required first. Repentance of your sin. And if you're a believer, continue to recognize sin in your life and confess it and repent from it and turn from it and keep turning back to God. Okay? So, Hosea is a really um, challenging book. And uh, it starts out... Um, by God telling Hosea to go marry a prostitute. Oh, really? But there's a, an important lesson in it. We're not going to get real detailed about it, but there, there, it, it's not figurative, folks. It wasn't figurative. Here's, here's the real deal. Hosea, go and do this. And there's a purpose behind it. Hosea loved Gomer... And yet Gomer left again. And what was the point? Well, God was, you know, like Tim told us about the Sunday school uh, classes for kids. There's a message here from God. Israel, you went and whored after other pagan gods. And I'm here with loyal love for you. God's saying that. I'm here with loyal love 
covenant love for you. And so, there's there, um, what we're going to do is pick it up here in chapter 10. And again, real quickly, I want to mention this because it's very important. When we talk about Israel in the Old Testament, we, um, it's like many of us, we don't even bother reading the Old Testament because we, we feel like, ah, that's it, too intimidating. Or I, I, I can't follow along with it. Or it's tough, tough sledding. Well, I want to challenge you again to just say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to just start reading. I just want to read and say, God, teach me. God, speak to my heart as, I, as you read through the Old Testament. And understand that Israel can be seen as a picture of the, 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 the Christian. Israel can be. But don't forget about Israel as a nation. Don't, don't just leave them back and say, well, oh, well, this means this for my life. Read the Old Testament. Learn about what God's doing with the nation of Israel. They're an actual nation. We know that. But they're God's people. Okay? And then I say things like this. Well, you as an individual, if you're a Christian, if you, if you are a believer, you can uh, glean from the, the lessons that Israel is uh, going through. And in some places they will say, well, no, it's, it's that, the, that Israel is the, um, I'm sorry, that the church is the new Israel. And what was uh, given to Israel now applies to the church. And there are, there are just too many scriptures that show the distinction, that there is a clear distinction between Israel as a nation and the church as Christ's body. Okay? Um, and that's why some churches will say, well, we, um, we do baptism. That's the sign of the covenant. Because they say, well, that's what Israel did in the Old Testament. They circumcised boys. And so now the new sign is baptism. But that doesn't always match up the right way. Okay? Baptism is the idea, water baptism is the idea that you come to understand what faith in Christ is all about. You've received the gift of salvation and now you can declare it in the waters of baptism. If you haven't been baptized, we want to encourage you about getting baptized. Why? So we can have another cool baptism service? So that you are walking with the Lord the way you ought to be walking. He's called you to be baptized. That's one way you make profession of faith. It's already happened, and here's a display of that in the waters of baptism. So if you haven't been baptized, come on. We're not going to go turn the water on now. Maybe we should. Chris, what do you think? <laughs> okay, so um, just to understand that. Those are different ways that churches understand um, this idea of Israel and the church. Here we understand Israel, and it's here's your Christian life. You can learn and grow and glean from these truths. Just mark down 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11, talks about it. Paul's writing to the, the believers there and saying, you know, learn the lessons that Israel went through. Okay, so with that in mind, we come to a quick 
understanding of this uh, passage here in Hosea, starting at verse 9. Let me read this, 9 through uh, 15. From the days of Gibeah, you have sinned, O Israel. There they stand. Will not the battle against the sons of iniquity overtake them in Gibeah? Now, Gibeah, that's a reference back to Judges chapter 19 and 20, I think, where something really horrific happened. And God's bringing it back up to the surface saying, hey, you know, you're guilty of this. It's from these days, from the days of Gibeah. You've sinned, O Israel. He's calling them out. And this is Israel's number one in your outline. Israel's wayward condition. Israel's wayward condition. Then verse 10, it says, When it's my desire, that's God talking, I will chastise them and the peoples will be gathered against them when they are bound for their double guilt. Okay? Now, that's what we want to understand right away. Double guilt, they were, they were guilty of two things. And um, in the big picture here, it's about idolatry and who they're trusting. They're trusting in their own strength, in their own like military strength. And they're having a problem with idolatry. They're, they're kind of grabbing at everything that's around them as a, as a nation, Israel. They're kind of grabbing at this, grabbing at this and saying, oh, this is cool. Let's, let's add this to our worship service. If they, have their, you know, if they were to say it like that. They, they brought in a whole bunch of stuff. And what we call that is syncretism. That's the idea, you know, where here's all, it's, it's not so much polytheism, that's many gods, but here's these ideas that we draw together for worshiping, you know, for worship. And it might be Baal, might be Ashtaroth, so there might be this, maybe there is a little bit of polytheism to it. But what they've done in their wayward condition, letter A, they, they've copied the world. They've copied the world, the world's ways. And it grew in, you know, this is just growing into a huge mess. I, I find it interesting that we as a nation here in America, we tend to have a, a more settled peace. I mean, in our community, let me say it this way. In our community, we tend to have more of a subtle peace about military strength, don't we? Many of you serve in the military. And we like that. And we want that. But are we going to trust in that? That's the big question. And praise God for so many uh, military people that aren't patting themselves on the back, but they're trusting in a mighty God. Okay? And that's what we need to support them in, is saying, hey, thank God for you, but hey, we're trusting in God for our, what, our national security. We'd like our, our government to step it up on national security areas, right? Amen? Yeah, sure. But when it comes right down to it, if we don't see that in this next election, hey, I, I need to be challenged and encouraged to keep on trusting God. Not to keep worrying about this or that. Yeah, there's, there's still things to be done. Still, things to, uh, still letters to be sent, calls to be made. But it's important that we, if, if you're a Christian, we need to rally together about this and say, we're not going to go with that. We don't want to copy the world. What does 1 John chapter 2 say? Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If a man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't copy the world. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Christian, you know, there's the idea. Don't be conformed, don't be pressed into the world mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is why we talk about revival. Repentance and revival. Why? Because many of us have been molded and pressed and shaped in the world's image more than in Christ's image. Let that sink in. Challenge yourself in that way, my friend. Are you more conformed? Do you look, if we put it this way, do you look more like the world than like Christ or one of his children? It's a challenge for me. It's not just I'm, I'm throwing at you. It's a challenge for all of us. Every day. Not just on Sundays, right? We're to walk with the Lord. Trust Him. Okay. I get, I get excited. And I, if you don't know, I get off on rabbit trails. I'm sorry. But, okay, so that's copied by the word. Letter B. They, get, they got content with sin. Content or comfortable with their sin. And I, again, I look at myself. I look at, you know, here's what we deal with in life. I know m- most of us get real comfortable and content with sins. I'm not talking about the major monster sins of, you know, murder or whatever, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying in, in little ways. We just get comfortable in it. What has God called you to do? To be holy. He's called me to be holy. I need to grow in that. I'm not perfectly holy. Christ is. Hallelujah. Christ is perfectly holy and he's my righteousness through faith in Jesus. But I'm still called to live in such a way. Practice my life. How's my behavior? How's my conduct? How's my conversation? Is it according to what I've been given in Christ? Am I growing in that way more and more? So look, we can say, um, like Israel, they were like, hey, we don't have any enemies. No, no big deal right now. Um, we don't have any new wars coming up in sight. You know, not a big deal. But later on in this very passage, God says, there will be a tumult that will come your way, Israel, because of their unfaithfulness. You know, when there's nothing adverse going on in my life, what do I think? If there's nothing adverse going on in your life, saying, hey, everything's fine. And that's a, that's a subtle opening for me to start drifting or for you to start drifting off onto self-sufficiency. Okay? So, we've got to watch this. And then let her see uh, they, what ends up happening. They're cold to the things of God. Cold to God. Cold-hearted. Right? Um, and really, what... God says through Hosea here is more, it gets more about hard heartedness. Um, mark these references down. Matthew 24, verse 12 tells us because of the increase in wickedness, the love of many will what? Grow cold. Because of the wickedness going on, the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. What does uh, John, the apostle, write in the, in the 
letters to the churches in, in Revelation. And there he says, you know, hey, um, to Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold, therefore I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I'm going to upchuck you out. What was he talking about there? You know, some people say, oh, you go either way, cold or hot, but just go one way or the other. Well, I think, it's the, I think it, it tends to be more of the idea, get hot for, for the Lord. Be on fire, be enthusiastic for the Lord in your walk with Him. Some of you say, well, I'm not really enthusiastic like Woody's kind of demonstrating and motioning. Yay, yay. I'm not talking about being like that. I'm just saying be enthusiastic about what God's, what's God doing in your life. What's happening in, in that regard? Hebrews chapter 3 is uh, warning people, warning individual Christians not to rebel like Israel did. Don't rebel. Don't, don't grow. Uh, don't harden your heart. And that was to the, the Hebrew Christians in Hebrews chapter 3, not, uh, 7 through 12. Okay? Let me add this. I think it's very important that we don't neglect this. But you know what? God, in Romans 9, it says that God hardens hearts. God hardens hearts. He hardened Pharaoh's heart mentions it right there in 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 Romans 9. Christian, your heart and my heart, we have to watch over. It's like the garden thing. Watch over your garden. Don't let the the weeds pop up and don't let the the dirt and the soil get hard. That's what he's building up to here, okay? And God's saying now in verse 10, you know, I'm I'm going to chastise my children. Oh, God, God shouldn't do that. He's a loving God. Bingo! Right? God disciplines His children. Why? Hebrews 12. He loves them. So, this is what He says He's going to do to His people here. Okay? And now in verse 11 and 12, He says, in verse 11, look at verse 11. It says, Ephraim, or another way to say that is Israel. He's just using those terms you know, kind of back and forth. Ephraim, Israel, is a trained heifer that loves to thresh. So, he's using figurative language. And for the purpose of saying, Israel's a trained heifer to do what? Well, here, he starts out saying to, he, that he loves to thresh. What's, uh, what's a cow doing threshing? Or an ox threshing? Just kind of walking around, threshing, stomping on grain, Right? Right? Farmers, help me out here. <laughs> and, and it's like while he does that, he can kind of slow down, whatever. Maybe he can even eat while he does that. The point of this word picture is that it's pointing out that Israel has chosen the easy thing to do. What's the trained heifer going to be doing? Look at, look at what he says here. The trained heifer that loves to thresh, that's the easy thing, but I will come over her fair neck with a yoke. Now what we're now we're we getting into? Plowing. Now we're gonna get into the, the issue of plowing. He says, I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow, Jacob will harrow for himself. And here we go. So then with a view to righteousness. 
Okay? So, number two, our point number two is God's loving call. And letter A is for their review, like a job review, if you will. Some of you get a job review, and you've got to go in and talk to the, the boss. Okay? Well, this, here's like Israel's job review. Hey, you know what? You're loving to thresh too much. You, you're called. Now, now you've got to go plow. So they've got this great potential. But Israel took the easy way out. And then letter B. God's loving call is for their rebuilding. Or maybe a better word is renewing. For their renewing. Re, they're building. So with a view to righteousness. Here's what you can do now, Israel. Israel, I call you to sow with a view to righteousness. Okay? Now, let's get something straight here. When the word righteousness pops up, it's not, in this passage, it's not for the purpose of you or me thinking that I've got to sow to earn my salvation. That's not what we're talking about. You cannot do enough to earn your salvation. But here he's talking about now, here's action that you take in light of your faith in Christ, in in light of your faith in God. God expects his people to do righteous things. Okay? We don't hear that a lot. But you and I are called to obey, called to trust him and obey and practice righteousness to show that we are his. Just like Israel, called to show that they're the light in the world. They're to be the light to the other nations. Demonstrate it with righteous living. Okay? So, the point was, the design was to learn for the people. They, they had God-appointed priests, God-appointed leaders, and God said, and you fathers, you're in charge. Come on, lead your family in the ways of the Lord. And so everything in their, in their life, as a nation, as a community, as a worshiping community, everything built towards this idea with righteousness in mind. Because you're the light to the nations. God gave them a mission. Okay? So it's not just to learn it, but what? Learn it to do it. Learn the things of God, then to not just know it and store it, but to do it. And that's where we come again to ourselves. As a group of people here in this community, we need to be a people that not just know it, but know it so we can do what we know God wants us to do. Live in such a way that shows that. I need encouragement in this way, you guys. I, it's not like I've you know, got 100 on the test score. All of us need to encourage each other in this way. Walk in holiness. Turn from sin. Ask God to revive your day, your moment, your afternoon, whatever it is. Live in such a way that shows that we're His children. We're identifying with Him in that way. So that's the first one in, in uh, your outline. Is, it's double A there. Is to sow. And double B is to reap. Here's the reaping part, right? Reap in accordance with kindness or mercy or here's what some put in there in their understanding of this passage is covenant loyalty. What's that getting back to? The very start of the book of Hosea. 
Gomer, the prostitute, wasn't faithful. (laughs) And here now God's saying, you're my people. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness or that idea of covenant love. There's, There's the result. The fruit of sowing in righteousness would be to say, Here's, here's the result of just, uh, uh, justice towards each other, compassion towards each other, treating others compassionately. But Israel went selfish. We don't do that, do we? See, this is the challenge for us. Israel went selfish on, the, on, on this whole thing. They, they wanted to do their own thing. And that's the here now we face it for ourselves. We got to evaluate our own hearts and our own actions and all. Am I am I going about things in a self-centered way? Israel was supposed to be on mission for God, right? Right? And were they? No, they got gooped up with stuff, gunked up. I'm sorry, gunked up. Got to be careful with my words. Gunked up with stuff. And they weren't on mission with God. They were on mission for themselves. That's the problem that I end up having. That's the problem that you have. Unless we say, no, let's, let's turn from that and keep walking with the Lord. In the, in the New Testament, Paul uh, grabs a hold of this idea. And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, he talks about the principle of sowing and reaping. You, you sow and reap whether you like it or not. You're sowing and reaping something. What is it that you're sowing? Okay? What do you keep planting in your own life and in the lives of others? What, what do you keep doing? The older I get, the more I, I think, you know, how in the world does God love me? Because of my sin. I, I just, I see my sin and my selfishness and I go, how he's he's amazing so i don't i don't want to focus on my thing i want to focus on the one who rose again i want to focus on him there's plenty of stuff to focus on that gets you messed up in your life and tripped up and gunked up right so keep your eyes on christ keep looking to him remember that idea why is it that, you know, what am I sowing in my life? Yes, you have to learn a, a trade or a career, young people. Yes, you need to go after that, but commit this to the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord and say, I want to, if I'm going to go be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or whatever, professor, lawyer, whatever, I want to commit this to the Lord. I want to honor Him in my life. I might not put all the pieces together right away, I haven't put all the pieces together in my life. But you, you just say, I want to commit to Him. And then keep walking with Him in your life. Letter C, C. Double C is break up. Okay? Break up your fallow ground. Okay? Fallow ground is fallow because nothing's being done with the dirt. Nothing's being done with it. Think of that, Christian. If you're not involved in service, in walking with the Lord and, and, you know, saying, Lord, use me, then your ground is hard. Your ground is all, uh, it's hard. 
It's time to break up the fallow ground to make it what? Useful. To make it useful. See, this is the thing. Like Israel, Christians can think, hey, I'm fine. I don't have any enemies. I, I, I don't have any problems. Everything's smooth sailing. I can, I, there's been plenty of times where I, I think that way. All's well. You know, and, and, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. It's good. All good. But I can, it, by going through that process, I can still have a hard heart of, with hard ground in it. And the, the idea of breaking up the fallow ground is taking whatever tool needs to be taken and churning it up. Well, what we're really getting at is a very interesting thing here. So that in this idea of break up the fallow ground, you know what the blessing is? The blessing is in being broken. The blessing is in being broken. I don't like that. I, I, I would never come up with that idea. It really hurts to be broken. But what happened with Gideon when Gideon said, break, break the vessels... And what happened, you remember, we just went through Judges not too long ago. They broke those pots with, and what happened? The light shone against the enemy. The light shone against the enemy. Okay? Oh, well, if that doesn't impress you much, then what about the woman with the flask of ointment? What did she do? She showed up, saw Jesus, broke the alabaster vessel or the, the vessel there and poured it out. What a waste! What are you doing? You that's idiotic. Why did you do that? Is what the disciples were saying. But what would have happened had she not broken it? It would have stayed without any use in the vessel. It would have just been sitting there. Well, yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's valuable, great, whatever. But being broken and poured out, Jesus interpreted that as, you know what, that's going to last forever and ever, really in, in, in the hall of fame, if you will, for her worship. For her worship. So the value of being broken why is that needed? Well, it's because of my pride, the hardness of my heart. And how does the heart get hard? Well, it's, it, it's along with, here's worldliness. Here's the thing about being too, looking too much like the world. So we want to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. Was Christ broken? Yeah. He went to the cross, didn't he? They didn't break his bones, but he was bruised and he was crushed for you, your iniquities. So, respond to his call in your life if you haven't already respond to his call. 
Letter D, D, double D, it's time to seek the Lord. When is that? Right now. It's right now. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not next week. Now is the time to seek the Lord. The days, and most all of us in here know this, the days are flying by just so fast. And my friend, there's going to come a time where you you will stand before God. And if you don't have the refuge of Christ in your life, you will pay for an eternity, a separation from God. You must have the refuge of Christ from the wrath of God to come. Put your faith in Christ. Call out to Him. Be saved. Submit yourself to Him. Trust in Him. Seek the Lord. Christian, you and I are called to respond, not just to know it. Here's another challenge. Well, yeah, we know that verse. We sing it all the time in church. (laughs) I don't care. What are we doing about it? Are we, how are we seeking the Lord? Okay. Seek the Lord. Seek Him now. And if I see you uh, during the week, tell me, are you seeking the Lord now? You know, that's what we ought to be as Christians continuing to. Okay? And here's the thing. We, we mentioned about revival. Well, it's, you know, revival seems to be in our minds something that, oh, that happens, you know, when uh, Billy Graham comes to town and we have revival. No, revival can happen in your life on an ongoing basis. It might not be the big show, the big splash, but it can happen. Why? Because we're putting ourselves under the teaching of the Word, the reading of the Word. We're moving to Him to pray to Him, cry out to Him, call to Him. We're going to call out to God on behalf of our sister today after church. Jean White. We're going to um, have Jean, I think, just come up to this side up here. And we've done this with Shauna. Shauna's here, yeah. Um, we've done this with Tom and Sandy. And um, I don't see Tom and Sandy. But today, after the service, we're going to gather around Jean White. Jean's got cancer, and she started her uh, chemo treatment last Sunday, and it's good to see you here today. Um, but we, if you, we're not asking everyone, but if everyone comes, we'll, <laughs> great. But we're going to gather here um, up front to pray for Jean White. Listen, it's time to seek the Lord. Um, the emphasis of this coincides with this New Testament emphasis of a Christian walking, doesn't it? A walk. A walk is to be carried on, step after step, keep going, okay? And that's the idea with seeking the Lord in this. And notice what it says, that he may come and rain righteousness on you, okay? So here's the, the, what he's already done. He's already at the cross he, when he sent Jesus, there's the deluge of righteousness there, right? And, and that's where our, our righteousness was attained through faith in Him. I have righteousness credited to my account. If you're a believer, you have Christ's righteousness credited to your account. You're holy and blameless in God's sight because of that. But I think when we make choices in our life, According to the word, 
that help us to walk in and practice righteousness. Now, here's the, the rain of righteousness coming down upon us. So make choices in your life, Christian, that are in accordance with wisdom. Okay? Um, Proverbs 4. Just mark it down. Proverbs 4, 10 through 15. The idea is by wisdom, by God's wisdom, we make choices to walk in wisdom. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is that man who does not go there. But he's going in the way of righteousness, the pathway of righteousness. Proverbs 4, I tell you, that's an excellent reference in this regard of walking in righteousness. And then point number three, God's merciful warning. God's merciful warning. Look at verse 13 to wrap this up. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you have trusted in your way in numerous warriors. There it is. They're trusting in numerous ways of idolatry and in their military strength. Therefore, a tumult will arise among your people and all your fortresses will be destroyed. We all think that God's just going to be getting the bad guys. You know, as a father, I learned at some point I needed to go deal with my kids first. And if discipline was necessary, I needed to discipline my children. And that's really one of the things that God allows for His children to uh, go on in their gunked-upness. He allows that. But you know what? Listen, He gives a warning God gives a warning. And it's not because he's a big bad bully. God gives a warning because why? He's merciful and he loves you. And with that idea of a warning is here's the the hand of mercy that delivers that warning. Will you respond to that? If that's what's going on, if you think things are, you know, hey, things are a mess in my life. I feel like I've got an enemy everywhere I turn. Well, maybe that's allowed so God will uh, uh, reveal it to you, expose it to you so that you'll turn away from that, get away from that sin and walk to God and trust Him. As we close this, listen, there's no middle ground. This is hard for me to understand and maybe it's hard for you to understand, but there's no middle ground in this idea of spiritual advance or in spiritual decline. I can't... I can't get into the neutral zone because there's really no neutral zone. You're either on a spiritual advance or a spiritual decline. And things like moral failure, things like moral failure, we we say, oh, well, I did it. And then if we, but if we keep on thinking it and, and allowing it and being okay with it, now we're in spiritual decline. Half-heartedness, not wholeheartedness, but half-heartedness. What's 
you know, compromise, things of that nature that we need to get challenged with. J.I. Packer labels one of these things as the willingness to remain a Christian pygmy. Okay? That's a challenge to Christians. Start, start growing in the faith, right? Start growing in the faith. Let's call it what God calls it, and by His grace, turn from sin, turn to God and His ways for living. Not just thinking, but for living. Keep on walking. Keep con- stay on. Continue on in the walk, in the path of righteousness. And then I ask you to close it up here. Is there stony hard ground in your heart? Is there a crustiness on your heart to the things of God? Look afresh, look anew to the Lord Jesus. The idea of confessing our sins doesn't mean we've got to do penance for that sin. You don't, you don't have to do You confess it. You agree with God. And then believe that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And keep walking, brother. Sister, keep walking. I, I think this is how revival happens. You're spending time in the Word. You're praying. You're sharing your faith. You want to use your gifts. Hello. Revival. It's happening. And I would love to see, just let me make it clear, I would love to see um, a, a group stirring of the Holy Spirit to work in a mighty, powerful way. But I want to first challenge you as an individual. How's your walk? How's your heart? It's time to break up the fallow ground, my friend. Sow righteousness and reap that loving kindness. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. We need it. Lord, after a time like this here this morning, I know that there can be challenges facing us this afternoon. Lord, I pray that we would respond in reliance upon you and not upon our past or our reputation or our bank book or whatever. Please help us to respond in trusting you. You've called us to walk in the way of wisdom and righteousness. And may that be something that we are uh, looking forward to today and throughout this week. Thank you so much, dear Lord, for your many blessings, for how good you are. You are a good and faithful God. Guide and direct in our lives, and we pray for your blessing on our ministries coming up here this week. Please be glorified in it all. We thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.